If you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. From weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of that, it's free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, LuchaCentral.com presents The Business of the Business. I want to thank everybody for joining us on this second season now of Business of the Business, where we'll talk about the licensing and merchandising side of professional wrestling and other industries. And today's guest is probably someone who has the dream job for a lot of listeners. Uh, I think as a as a fan of wrestling uh, from my youth to today, action figures have always been a part of that world. Uh, I think that we've gone through a number of eras where we've had more figures or better figures or less figures. And, you know, um, throughout the last decades, while the impact in wrestling lines have come and gone and this line has come and gone, the one consistent line through all of it uh, has been the fact that WWE has had action figures from the time I was a child and many people listening were uh, to today. And so I'm really excited right now to have joining me, uh, Steve Ozer, who is at Mattel and is the associate marketing manager for the WWE line. Uh, like I mentioned, probably the dream job for a lot of people listening or a lot of people that, that grew up or are currently wrestling fans. So Steve, welcome to uh, the show. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Kevin. Thank you for having me. So I want to, you know, I, I don't know how many interviews you do. Uh, you know, obviously, I've watched a lot of your uh, social media and your videos that you've made on your action figure attack uh, social media accounts. And uh, but the first question that I think everybody listening is going to have is, how did you end up in this job? How did you end up not only uh, working in the toy industry, which is cool in and of itself, but how did you, what was your journey to become the WWE marketing manager, associate WWE marketing manager at Mattel? Take us back. Like, oh. where? I guess, you know, before we even start your journey in the workplace, take me back to when you were uh, younger. Like, was your obsession with action figures something that started as a kid? And what was it that you collected as a kid? Uh, I'm glad you, you, uh, backtracked a little with the question because I was going to say, wow, we're going to start with the longest, the longest answer first <laughs> here. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I, a uh, child of the eighties, uh, grew up in the golden age of action figures, really like so many 
mega brands um, that are still iconic today and, and being a huge fan of them. Um, and the biggest of them all for me was was WWE, WWF at the time, obviously, um, you know, back with the, the LJN figures and the Hasbro figures. So, so yeah, I've always been a fan and collector, you know, after, after the play years ended, collector probably since college. Um, but I think there's probably only a two-year period of time in high school, and I may have stopped getting action figures or maybe only picked up a handful each year. But, but as far as, like, buying tons of figures, like, yeah, pretty much a lifelong action figure collector. And I, I think that there's a really interesting point to talk about what you just mentioned, which is, you know, that transition from from someone who bought action figures because they just liked the figures and played with the figures to the action figure collector. Uh, you know, and I think that, I think it ties in a little bit even to what we see in terms of WWE's audience today, where the largest part of the WWE audience is the 50 plus demographic, at least for their television show. Uh, and, you know, so to me, what that represents is that the people who were really big into WWE during the boom period of, you know, whether it was the first boom period in the 80s or the second boom period, uh, you know, in the in the mill 90s, late 90s, um, those are the people that are still the fans today. They haven't left it, uh, you know. Um, and so it's those people, like when I was growing up, G.I. Joe was my thing, right? And it's so funny to look back and see that, like, you know, a G.I. Joe figure was $3.99 or whatever, which really, like, you know, explain to me now how, as a child, I was able to have so many GI Joes because they were. Uh, I had the original. Uh, I'm hold, holding up the the new his tank, by the way. Yeah, uh, and see, I mean, and uh, you can see I got the Cobra Commander helmet uh, up there. Oh, I, wow. I, I went and I bought the I bought the helmet. Uh, but so, you know, I I was a fan of of the toys back then. I was obsessed with with GI Joe. That was my very first thing I ever collected, and. Nowadays, I don't collect so much, but or I haven't collected for decades. But now that they have kind of these new figures coming out and I'm at a place in my life where I can go, yes, you know what? I'll spend $20 or $30 on this figure because I want to put it on my on my shelf because it whether it reminds me of my childhood or I think it's going to, you know, maybe have collector value someday. Um, at, at what point did you kind of go, you know what? I like these figures because I love professional wrestling, but I think that maybe collecting them is either going to bring me some sort of monetary value in the future, or at least like status. Cause I think a lot of people collect, not just because they think they're going to flip them down the road. They collect for that status of like, I have the rare ones and I have this, not necessarily an investment like somebody would think. So for you remember kind of where that transition took place for you? Yeah, um, it's it's interesting, and, and maybe we'll touch upon this in a bit. Um, but but I feel like it's easier now nowadays to transition from from kid to kid collector to full blown collector, and there's lots of areas, shades of gray in between of what play is now with social media, right? Because you know, if if you have looked at my account and and many many other very very talented accounts, uh, a lot more talented people than me, like action figure ph photography is such a huge thing right now, right? And that's yeah. play. 
You know, that's action figure play. It's posing and playing and shooting them. Um, so it's a much easier transition to just be a, an action figure fan and collector now than it was when we were kids. Because, you know, I played with them really late through high school, you know, secretly. Of course, like I think a lot of uh, us, us figure collectors may have done. Um and, you know, you probably listen to the, the major wrestling figure pod or, or know of it. And those guys were the same, you know, playing with action figures pretty much right up until they were signed with with WWE. Um, so, yeah, I think I think kind of video games took over for a minute. And I think, you know, uh, authority figures and, and family maybe frowned upon me still being into action figures. Um, and you know, it, it was fading. The play, the play was definitely fading and changing. Um, but it got to a point where, you know, maybe a little bit of peer pressure plus, you know, other interests, um, came into play and, and it faded for, I mean, such a brief period of time. Um, and then I jumped in again. Um, like I said, um, you know, college years. Um, but I, I think, I think the transition kind of happened. Um, and I'll get to the reason, I guess, in a moment here, and this ties in with this, my story, um, is I was, I was going to college for computer science. Like I decided that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, obviously lots of encouragement from family and, and friends of family that that's a, a good field to get into. Uh, so I pursued it and it was fine and I was okay. Uh, but I just saw the the passion uh, in my classmates and it, it wasn't there for me. And I was thinking to myself, like, I have to do this for the rest of my life like <laughs> this. Like, I can do it, but it's like it doesn't bring me any joy or happiness. Um, and it just got to a point in college where, um, quite frankly, it, it was just so stress, stressful for me. And, um, and I was very unhappy and very unhappy with the vision of my future. Um, and I needed a break, you know, and uh, I mean, it was probably a little more dramatic than I'm making it out to be at the moment right now. But, um, but yeah, I decided I had to take a pause. So I, I, I quit, I uh, dropped out, um, and I needed needed a break and needed to regroup myself. Um, feeling obviously, there's a lot involved there, a lot of emotions and feelings and thoughts. And I, I just drove down the street to the Toys R Us and literally bought every Jack's WWE figure, uh, one of each character that I could find. And I was all in again. And it wasn't a monetary thing because I opened them all. It was just that like, you know, better times, right? You know, it's simpler times, better times, you know, nostalgia. I think they might have had those, um, I forget what the line was called, but it was like a Legends-based line with like Freddie Blassie and Lou Albano and Andre the Giant. Um, There's only a couple of them, Jimmy Snuka. Um, so it was just like all these things like, you know, tying together, just like simplistic happiness, um, something fun, something that I enjoyed. Um, and I just never, I mean, never looked back after, after that and, and full bore insanity collecting habits. Now your social media presence, we kind of touched on a little bit, um, the action figure attack accounts and, and, and kind of showing off figures and a bit of figure, figure photography. Was that something that you were doing? I mean, social media, you know, has really blown up for that in the last number of years, but, um, was that something that you were kind of doing prior to uh, the job that you have now? Or did that kind of come with the territory as a way to kind of start showing off some of the products that you guys have at, at Mattel? Um, so I guess I'll continue with um, 
with the journey then and yeah. if i if i lose track and don't come back to this remind me of this specific question because it will tie into it um so you know left for a while worked you know retail management jobs at like you know entertainment stores like um sam goody if you remember that and mm -hmm. virgin megastore um and just was trying to figure out what i wanted to do um and, and meanwhile like collecting was was starting to gain prominence um like like big time um you know we it was the age of, of marvel legends toy biz and that transition to you know mattel like you know being like the leader and collector with their maddie collector offerings like masters of the universe classics and things like that um so all this was happening and i'm watching like these these awesome people in the industry um that you know some of them know me now I'm fortunate enough to know them and some of them don't, but they were so open um, and there's not many of them, unfortunately, but th there was, there was, you know, a nice chunk of people who were open about the business and I was just like absorbing it like a sponge. Like anytime they had an interview, I would listen to it and, and not just for like the, when are we going to get, you know, ultimate warrior in yellow tights and orange face paint, you know, like that stuff is cool. And of course I wanted to hear that too, but I wanted to hear more and deeper. Um, so, you know, obviously Jeremy, Padauer, amazing, like legitimate godfather of pro wrestling action figures. Um, and I've told him this and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for him. So he's like a, he was kind of an unknown mentor to me. Um, Scott Knightlick, um, very transparent at Mattel. Um, Ken Lilly at Palisades, great uh, online presence. Uh, and so many others that, you know, I could, I could touch upon now, but you know, those guys were were nice enough to to be transparent with with collectors tell us what was going on um tell us how things kind of worked behind the scenes if you were willing to listen um and i decided like you know i i can do this right like if these guys are doing it like i just need to make the attempt so i was like okay what do i have to do so i was looking into positions and qualifications and i decided business school you know, was the way to go. So I went back to school and got a business degree, um, finished up college, um, and then worked for the Coca-Cola company doing marketing for, um, for two different brands at two different times for them. Uh, first, Honest Tea, um, a certified organic bottled tea company, and then moving on to Zico Coconut Water. And that job was in California. So when that came up, I was like, I I'm putting in for a transfer and trying to get this job in California because I want to get into Mattel. Right. So, so, you know, they helped me out like big time, moved me out here. Um, and they're, they're supportive. They want, they wanted career growth and they wanted people to, to land where they wanted to be. So I put in my time, you know, with, with those companies, five, six years, maybe. Um, and the whole time, just like trying to network, you know, trying to do whatever I could, um, toy industry wise, um, to get my foot in the door, um, be respected within the collector community. Um, and that goes back to your, your question that, you know, um, led me to what I'm saying now is, um, while, while I was in college, I started the action figure attack Instagram account. And this was after, you know, there was MySpace, and I resisted moving on to Facebook. And then, you know, Instagram popped up, and I resisted that. And then when I was looking at Instagram, and I saw what was missing, like, there was not a lot of, like, toy coverage. Um, and action figure photography was in its infancy at that point. So what I started to do is virtually cover 
uh, toy fairs and comic cons on my account, and then eventually covered them live, um, specifically comic con, WrestleMania access, uh, smaller conventions as well. And, um, I think that's kind of how my following grew is is by being one of the first or, or the first person to to cover like action figure news on Instagram. Hmm. Um, then transitioning eventually into action figure photography, which was great because you know I'll admit I have a lot of toys and sometimes I do feel like you know I'm hoarding them. But when you do photography, it makes them very purposeful again. You know, um, so yeah, the, everything kind of came together eventually uh, with these jobs and, and kind of a miracle story happened with the Zico coconut water job um, is that a former associate marketing manager came over to work for Zico oh, wow. briefly. And, you know, everyone knew I was a collector and a WWE fan. Uh, and they were like, Steve, you got to talk to this guy. Uh, and he's, I'm going to say his name now, Dave Jackson. Um, and he works for Jazzwares on the AW line now. Uh, but he came, he came over to Zico briefly, and we networked, and we stayed in contact. So he left um, Zico, went back to Mattel, worked on the WWE line for a few more years, um, and decided it was time to go and move on to do something else. Uh, and he, he sent me a text and said, hey, are you still interested in, in working on this brand for Mattel? And I was like, absolutely. Um, so I interviewed Things went well, and you know I won't say their names now because they're either still with the company or or recently gone. And you know some people like their privacy, but you know you know a lot of thanks go to to the team that that hired me. Um, yeah, it was it is a dream come true, you know. And so many people to thank for Dave, who I mentioned, you know those unknown mentors from before, um, the team now who gave me the chance, um, and here I am three years into it, um, and it's been a insane unbelievable amazing experience that's awesome um i mean i i love that just you know and this was a long time by the way this is like a decade or more yeah. so it's not like like it just happened like some people are fortunate to get their dream job right out of college uh, i really had to scratch and claw my way in here but it's it's worth it well, and that's that's a great thing I, mean, I love those stories of things paying off you know when when i was in college it was, I was on the track for law school and it was, you know, do I do law school or do I head into professional wrestling? Which I was already in a little bit, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my career. If I wanted to make it my career at that time, I wanted to go, you know, work for WWE eventually. Cause that's anyone I think who's growing up wanting to work in wrestling. That's where you want to get. Um, and you know, I chose the pro wrestling path and not the law school path. And, uh, most days I feel like it's worked out and, uh, I'm definitely happy now that, uh, that, that, that that's the case, but you know, even, even then, I feel like, um, you know, what I'm doing now, certainly the projects and the properties that will come forth, hopefully in 2021, 2022, uh, you know, those are the culmination of decade plus journeys, not, you know, not just something that happens overnight. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the actual job and the position that you hold. What is it specifically that you do uh in this associate marketing manager position i run uh most of the lines um i am oh thank god um uh, giving some of these lines to my, my a newer counterpart of mine uh who's going to help out uh because it is a lot like the ww line is huge uh but you know i i kind of oversee a lot of the collector lines um so elites basics Masters of the WWE. I'm cheating by looking behind me. Um, that line is so great. We'll get back to that in a little bit. 
Ultimate Edition, um, a lot of the exclusive lines that you see at, at Walmart and Target. Um, and previously, the only things I wasn't managing was some of the kids, straight up kids lines, like uh, the Reckon line. Um, even though, you know, that we're a team and we all have input and everything. But, you know, the day to day running those businesses was not under my umbrella. Um so yeah, it's just like being responsible for those lines, like overseeing the entire process, you know, working with the design team and the development team and our sales counterparts, uh, making sure items are delivered on time, ideating them, um, hitting our financial targets. Um, so it, it's really, you know, I think the name marketing manager, to be honest, is a little deceiving um, because it, it immediately you, you think of traditional marketing things. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, the role used to be called brand manager. And I think that is, is probably more appropriate. Like mm -hmm. I'm really essentially a brand manager for um, a lot of these lines um, on the WW brand. So from where you sit, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the ideation. Uh, of it all. Uh, how involved are you in kind of the, or where in the process you jump in on the kind of concept to completion timeline of, of the, uh, the figures that are coming out? You know, if, if uh, Elite set 150 is coming out now, where did you get involved? Was it the beginning determining kind of who was going to be in it and what they were going to look like? Or do you jump in farther along that timeline? Yeah, yeah, marketing managers manage everything every step of the way. So day one, um, I have a meeting with for elites, Bill McKenna and his boss, Bill Benneke, uh, maybe Robert Rudman, our, our copywriter, because he's a, a mega fan um, like the rest of us. Um, and we we hash out what the lineup will be. Um, and then sometimes we hash out the specific looks uh, or sometimes, you know, Bill might on his own just decide, you know, what needs to be done. And, and that's fine because he's obviously a veteran and a fan um, of all this. Um, so, yeah, day one, um, figuring that stuff out um, because it, it's really it, it's very involved. It's not just like putting names on paper that, that you want to see made. It's it's managing um, the entire line like, you know. Fortunately for me, I know the entire history of the line because I've collected since day one. Um, and Bill, we have Bill as well, who has designed since since day one. So it's like that that makes things a little bit easier. I can only imagine how difficult it would be for someone new to come in and have to work on something like elites, right? Like what a, a monster with so much history. Um, but yeah, managing everything, uh, managing the relationship with the licensor, licensor with WWE. They, of course, have their requests. Um keeping my ears open to what the fans want, um, trying to make those things happen, um, being mindful of the tooling budget, right? You have so much you can tool for a year, like so you can't do a whole wave of completely new tooled figures. Um, the deco comes into play, like, can you afford this? Like, we can't have, you know, six figures in a wave that are as complex as, like, Asuka with a robe, you know? Um, so it's just like deciding, you know, all these things and sell through, like, is this wave strong? Will it sell through? Are there other things going on? Is, are, were there retailer asked? Are there anniversaries? Like there's, there's so many things involved in, you know, just that first aspect of, of creating a lineup. And you, you mentioned what, what the fans want, right? Um, given, you know, cause I, I'm learning so much on the business side of action figures at this point, uh, because up until a year and a half ago, I was solely an action figure, you know, fan. Uh, we at Master Public, we did our reaction figures with Super 7. Um, 
but that was kind of a it was a one-time thing right we planned some figures it took them you know a year or whatever to make them and then they got released and that was it but now we're in a whole different boat with uh boss fight studio and planning out a massive multi-year uh multiple products and kind of getting involved in that long process um, and trying to kind of plan multiple waves that are going to come out. And then obviously we have COVID, which, you know, backed everybody up, but um, yeah, just the, everything that you just spoke of the, you know, figuring out how to balance a line out and how do, you know, how do you um, take advantage of the tooling that's already done and, but, you know, but not overdo it. Uh, so I guess when it comes to the fans and listening to the fans, if there is something that becomes hot or if there's a trend that you start to notice, what is kind of the earliest that you can see that happening? You know, Austin 316 happens and you know, okay, this is going to have to be something that we rush into production. Are you looking at this point at a six month, 12 month, 18 months? What is the earliest you can usually kind of act on a trend? I mean, the average in general is about a year. Like right now I'm working on 2022 already. So a little over a year for that stuff. Um, if something hot happens, like when Rhonda signed and when we knew we could do figures, which wasn't immediate, right? Like those deals aren't all, just because someone appears on TV doesn't mean there's a deal in place for toys, right? So once we knew that we could do a figure of her, like we we jumped on it and we bumped someone out of a lineup and we got her in and we got, I think she she... She debuted at uh, WrestleMania in ring for for action, um, and we had to figure out uh, before November. Um, so that's kind of a little bit compressed, um, and we kind of knew, you know, roughly at that point that we could do figures. So obviously she showed, showed up at the Royal Rumble, uh, but, you know. Things yeah. happen. Couldn't, couldn't get to work right away uh, for various reasons. Uh, but, you know, like I said, the second we knew, we got on it and we got it out before end of year. So if something hot happens, we can bump somebody out. So I know a lot of times people get upset uh, and they think things take a little bit too long. But, I mean, you're you're obviously in the process now, so you know it's at least a year, if not more, right? Um, so, yes, we could we could be quicker with a lot of them. But I mean, that that's a strain on the system, right? So you, you're getting to work on things, you don't know what's going to happen, who's going to be hot. So you're planning things out. And, and you know, everyone's at work over in China, here in the US. Um, and you don't want to do that too often. You don't want to just blow up an entire lineup when everyone's put so much work into into developing it. Um, you, can't, you can't do that all the time. So you have to pick and choose your moments. Like when an Austin 316 type event happens, um, you're like, okay, now's the time to to use our, our silver bullet basically and make this happen. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that still just amazes me about the WWE lines is the sheer amount of output. I mean, you know, I'm on the ringside collectibles email list and literally it feels like at least once a week, there's a new wave being announced uh, or on sale. Um, obviously that, amount of output is working for you guys or you wouldn't be putting out that amount of product but um how i mean about how many figures are you guys releasing a year and is it something where you know you know and expect well the elite line we know or we expect to sell x amount and the basic line x amount and so it's not kind of apples and oranges across all the lines and you, there's expectations per kind of the type of line or how do you guys look at the entire kind of annual output of all the WWE lines? You do, you do 
go into it um, with an estimate of where you, what you're going to do the following year. You know, your markets, you set your, your business plan, uh, you put that in place, uh, and then you try to achieve it. Um, and then things happen, like COVID, right? And everything blows up, blows up in your face. Um, and then sometimes you come out okay. Like we came out okay this year, right? Like elites are, are hot. They're number one traditional action figure in the U.S. And basics are number three traditional action figure. Um, so, you know, things kind of at the end of the day worked out okay for, for us. Uh, but the unexpected always, always happen. And WWE's and wrestling in general is wild. You, you never know what's going to happen. You know, people could be let go, new people come into the company. You know, it, it's just like something unexpected happens constantly. Um, but yeah, you set your goals, right? You set your goals. So we know what we're going to make roughly production-wise for these figures. Like we decide like, okay, we're making X amount of, of this wave. The next wave is, is going to be hitting for easter so maybe you make a little bit more of that one you know um and then you know once retailers come into play that number can go up or up or down slightly but yeah all these numbers are are in place at, at the planning stages basically um with room for for flexibility um to to either grow or, or shrink as necessary hope that answered the question yeah no for, for sure um you know, we mentioned covid and kind of the the strain is put on the distribution side, certainly, of uh, getting action figures made and out. Um, everybody's lines are behind to some extent, whether it's, you know, months or six months or whatever. But the one thing that I think that that we've noticed, um, I know that Jeremy's talked about it, others have talked about it, has been that it seems like as people have been at home, um, obviously, unemployment and 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 money, uh, revenue, income for some people has been an issue. Absolutely, uh, but for others, it seems like maybe having more disposable income because they're not traveling, because they're not spending money on gas, because they're not whatever has led to over these last nine months really kind of a boom in collectors and buying and even at, at high prices some of the the figures. We're seeing eBay auctions going way more now than they were even, uh, you know, nine months, a year ago. Um, on that side of things, have you noticed anything? Do you think that that's uh, just more of a every year things become more valuable? Have you found any kind of positive spin, at least at all, on the uh, on COVID and what it's done for the collector side of things? I, I will say, I think, from a kid perspective, I think the fact that parents aren't, taking their kids on vacation, that the kids are home, I think maybe parents might be more prone to, to buy them, you know, more action figures, toys in general, or entertainment. Um, so I think, you know, I think kids are, are getting a bit more than maybe they would have previously. Uh, from a collector perspective, I think it's just been such a, a brutal year for all of us that that we want that kind of like my college story, right? Like right. I was, I was stressed and, and, and feeling down about everything. And I, I went to a go-to thing that was, was familiar and comforting and that I loved and it was action figures. And I think that's what you're seeing now. And that's why you're seeing secondary market prices for, for older items skyrocketing. Um, and you're seeing like people scooping up new stuff and you're seeing like our legends line came back this year and is doing unbelievably well, like exceeded. I mean, I, I pushed for it to come back and I thought it would do well, but I mean, it exceeded my expectations of how well it's actually doing. Um, so you're just see you're seeing all this. People want that that comfort, and they want the things that they love, and and the things that made them happy. You know, at different 
parts of their lives. Um, and then we also have a perfect storm of things. And this is, you know, just my personal opinion, but you know, you have, you have the major wrestling figure podcast, right? So to me, that's bringing in a lot of maybe lapsed collectors or new collectors. Um, you have, uh, a lot of other wrestling figures in the market, you know, right now or coming soon. Um, and you have competition and I think there's just like an elevated, um, awareness of wrestling figures and elevated a heightened desire for them um and they're all good you know what i mean like everything coming out is is good so it's just a great time to be a collector specifically a wrestling figure collector and you're yeah. you're, you're seeing this not just you know talking about wrestling figures but you're seeing this across the board like the dc um mcfarland line is doing really well marvel legends of course doing fantastic gi joe is back and that's like selling like gangbusters it's like you know you go you're going to war at target trying to yeah the, the that daddy destro um yeah. uh what's he what's he actually called that's not profit, the name profit director destro yeah there you I, go there you go <laughs> I, I i limit my i limit my collecting of uh it's like with wrestling figures I, my rule at this point is it has to be somebody that I'm actually friends with or that was on one of my TV shows or something, because I have to, I have to have a limit to what I spend. I have children trying, you know, trying to buy a new home. I have to, I have to have my, my limit. So, um, uh, you know, Ray Mysterio being one of them makes things complicated because there's so many Ray Mysterio variants that come out and I'm still kind of backfilling the catalog a little bit, but um, beyond. I don't know that, if you can catch up. Was that? I don't know yeah. if you can catch up with Ray figures. No. Uh-uh. Uh, but, um, you know, beyond that. So yeah, now that GI Joe's back, I keep, I keep cursing, uh, you know, that there's one more thing for me to maybe collect, but I'm very, I'm very, uh, selective, uh, in, in what I buy, but I, yeah, the, uh, profit director Destro and the Cobra commander helmet were, were must haves for me. So, um, and that's, that's the beauty, right? Is you make your own rules. Like there are no rules for, for collecting. Like you can keep them in package. You can, open them you can play with them you can take photos you can just do one character only and buy every figure of that character like literally you set your own rules and that's why it's such a great hobby yeah um so going back to the kind of covid uh and and some of the things we've seen in the industry uh obviously the toys r us bankruptcy and the kind of traditional brick and mortar stores, you know, across different industries, whether it's bookstores or, or toy stores or whatever. Um, those were big hits and a lot of fear around the future of, of sales. Um, and then COVID hit and we weren't able to go to stores. Uh, but I know that on the WWE, uh, just merchandise in general side, they, they have said that their online sales uh, were enough to even make up for their in arena sales. They were did so much online business over the last nine months. Um, when it comes to the COVID era and and the whatever you can tell us about uh, your sales, have you seen kind of uh, whether it's COVID or not the Amazons and the the big bad toy stores and the retail the online retailers Ringside Collectibles really do a significant amount of sales to where it's helping kind of uh, the impact of the loss of brick and mortar stores. We, we've done great at brick and mortar this year. Um, I mean, that, that, that can't be said globally. Um, 
because everyone was affected differently. And, you know, I can't get into too many de- details, obviously. Um, but, but yeah, we, we kind of did, did, did well this year. It, 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 obviously there were effects and, and at various points, uh, things fluctuated. Um, and ringside's always been great. They're, they're healthy. They're a great partner. Um, Amazon great as well. Um, but WWE was just a resilient brand this year, like really resilient. Um, I just think it just speaks to, to how strong our connection is to, to pro wrestling that, that it wasn't affected as one may have thought it would be. Yeah. Well, that's great. Obviously. And and for, for WWE's business overall, being in every major retailer, Walmart and target, um, you know, on, on down, that obviously helps, uh, you know, as opposed to some other lines that maybe you have you know, are only one place or aren't yeah. at mass retail. Um, and, and I will say this, I will say this before you move on, like, um, you know, to me, you know, and this is just, just my opinion as, as a collector now, um, you know, I always felt as though, you know, maybe wrestling figure collectors, like we are, I was, we're, we're stuck in our ways a little bit, right? The, the old Maddie collector, WWE legends offerings, didn't do that great on maddiecollector.com. Um, and I just felt like we, we wanted to find our stuff at retail, you know? Um, and I feel like this has maybe uh, nudged all of us as a collector community forward a little bit to embrace online a little more. Like there were a lot of pre-sales this year that did extremely well, like Legends and, and Masters of the WWE Universe and Decade of Domination. Um, and they all did really, really well. And the Rock uh, Ultimate Edition and Amazon did extremely, extremely well. Um, and the ringside stuff, of course. Um, so I think, you know, I think maybe this this helped nudge that along and 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 align us with, you know, a lot of the other brands that that have really been able to embrace online a little bit earlier. Yeah, we'll, we're going to come back to that WWE Masters of the Universe crossover line. Um you know, with, with this show kind of trying to tie into kind of some of the different aspects of licensing that Lucha Libre and, and pro wrestling bring to the table, you know, one of the things that that is unique, um, you know, not only within in wrestling, but certainly compared to a lot of entertainment brands, is we're not just dealing with the uh, the likeness or the IP of a, of a fictional character. We're dealing with actual human beings and their likeness and their their rights um talk to me a little bit about what that process is like with you and the the process of creation and licensing and approvals when it comes to the action figures that you're that you're creating Uh, at what point does the talent get involved at what point do they have a say do you find that most of them um, just want to kind of see and approve or do, are there certain, uh, talents that are much more, uh, outspoken about their figures and, or does WWE just kind of make all those calls for them? Uh, a mix of all that. Um, there, so, so back in the day, uh, in the Jack's days and then in the early days of Mattel, um, Jeremy and, and the powers that be at Mattel at the time were, were able to sign, individual legends deals on their own um currently that's that's not happening wwe handles all those deals so for the majority of talent wwe handles that some talent do have approval rights some may not um and it's handled via wwe uh, and we do get feedback back through wwe from some specific talents 
Um, and it just depends on, on their contract and what they want to do. And there'll be somebody who, you know, their contract is expiring. And previously it was just maybe easy breezy approvals through WWE. And now we get word like it's going to take a little longer because they're going to have some approval rights on it. Um, so it just depends on the deal, you know, uh, and we all have different responsibilities in that of, of when those things happen. Uh, like there's a, a specific talent, um, that I have to prepare, um, like concepts for, um, like a long-term plan of what we're going to do with, with looks of the figures and whatnot. Um, and I handle that early on. Um, and then, you know, every step of the way, then whoever else is, is, um, you doing their role, will step in like bill with, from design will, will submit his things and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it just depends on the talent really. And everyone is different and some people are more, um vocal than others or more complicated complex uh what have you um uh, but it, it's interesting for sure uh, and you know being being so deep roster wise sure. present and past um it can make things very interesting from an approval standpoint sometimes um it, i saw a debate online the other day and then in some private messages on facebook not having anything to do with ww lines but uh real scan technology versus modeling um and I, i'm assuming at this point some of the ww lines are done with the real scans and some are done with more traditional modeling um from where you sit uh it, do you have a personal preference do you find that you like one versus the other uh, is it just simply a matter of it's too expensive to do all real scan? Um, I'm trying to be educated or get more educated myself on this. So I thought it was a good opportunity to ask you uh, when I had you on. I I didn't know that some modern talent were not scanned before starting at Mattel. I thought that they were all scans and i knew obviously legends can't be scanned because right. most of them don't look the same anymore someone sadly no longer with us right so those are traditional uh sculpts or, or 3d sculpts now right um i don't i don't have a preference because i've seen scans come out that that just don't look very good um and you can't use them and i've seen you know traditional sculpts that b blow away scans and i've seen you know images where they'll take the photo of of the, the superstar and, and superimpose the the sculpt on top of it and it's just mind-blowingly good and i've been trying to to do something like at a comic-con of like showing this example to to the fans just to show them like how detailed these sculpts really are um because it's one thing to see a gray model you know when we debut something um uh, but but to see it you know with with the actual image like underneath it uh transparent is just like mind-blowing like china was was the example i was trying to make happen when we debuted china uh, i really wanted that like you know there were several images of, of her um with the with the sculpt on top and it just looked fantastic so you know i don't i don't have a preference whatever gets the job done and makes the best product you know um and obviously this past year we're not scanning you know what i mean we're not we're not going and scanning anyone so there are a few traditional sculpts who maybe we would have scanned before um and we'll get back to it and we'll just do whatever is best and whatever needs to be done if there's somebody super hot and we got to get a figure done and make it happen maybe we just go ahead and sculpt it you know or maybe we schedule an emergency scanning session and go and just scan like six people um to make it happen so it all depends on the circumstances and whatever is going to make the best product 
Awesome. So before we run out of time, I definitely want to talk about this WWE Master of the Universe crossover line because uh, it's awesome. Uh, I have a younger brother who's four years younger than me. And so I, I kind of missed He-Man. Uh, he, like, he was super, super into He-Man, but like I, I was G.I. Joe and, and, and He-Man came a little bit later. Um, but I have become a huge fan of this, this WWE He-Man line. I think because it's it's so cool how you've been able to kind of take the characters and really try to find the He-Man characters for a lot of them that best kind of fit and meld with them, whether it's the Jake the Snake Roberts one or the the New Day with the Tri-Head uh, character, which is always my favorite um, uh, to steal of my brothers. Um, but obviously, when it comes to something like that, now we're talking a super classic line of toys that has its own fan base and its own ip and its own you know kind of i guess brand managers uh and then you've got the wwe side of it so talk to me a little bit about what that process was like Like, where did that idea come from um how complicated was it to kind of pitch it both ways and get the approval and what has that process been like kind of getting these concepts made putting them together and then seeking the approvals that need to happen to bring these to life to my knowledge, when we, Mattel, first pitched for the line um, over 10 years ago now, um, oh, wow. this was a possibility, right? It's like, what what can Mattel do that's special for WWE? Um, and this was an idea back then, right? For whatever reason, things didn't pan out. Um, and, and by the way, um, if anyone wants like to see a panel about this, I did a panel. My team did a panel at PowerCon last year where we went over like pretty much the entire process um, with some some great visuals and stuff of, of, of early concept art um, that never came to be. So that's out there if you go to the PowerCon YouTube channel. Um, but when I when I started uh, a little over three years ago, we were looking for a replacement for our uh, it was called trade ups, you know, internally a trade ups line, which was a uh, slightly more expensive figure, which was at the time zombies and monsters and mutants. Um, so we would gone through several iterations of, of that line and we wanted to see what was next, you know, and we had a lot of great ideas and for whatever reason, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't get them through and, and make them happen. And, you know, I went up to, to David Vonner um, legend in the business. And I was just like, what about Motu? You know, what if we did, um, use the Motu classics, uh, bodies, um, and, and just WWE fied them, you know? And he's like, wait a minute, he, let, me, let me show you something. So then he showed me this amazing concept art that he had already, uh, been working on. And maybe, maybe magic almost worked on some of the concept work too. I can't quite remember. Um, but I mean, it existed, right? Like they were already working on it. So then me and Dave, I remember him, him and I just like throwing ideas back and forth at each other and just getting so excited. And we were like, this has to happen. This like absolutely has to happen. Um, and we were pushing for it and, and some people liked it and some people were like, eh, I don't know, you know, it's how it is, you know? Um, and uh, it, it didn't work out at first. Um, maybe they uh, they were trying to reserve Motu for for something bigger at the time. Um, so time went by. You know, we went in other directions, um, and then an opportunity came up again. And I'm all about like 
revisiting great ideas that that didn't work out uh from before that it's kind of how the, the slam mobile happened like we as a team and then slambulance right the ambulance like those things like never worked out we, we made them happen because we pushed for them when the time was right so the time was right for for motu right so um at this point um billy um who appears in some videos uh who was on the team before he worked with bill benicky um the designer to to bring this to life and and we got it we got it greenlit and you know i had some some input on those you know initial waves and initial characters um billy then left the team to go to jurassic and i you know was was fortunate enough to to take over the line um and then we just like went wild with it you know i mean billy's stuff was great and he laid the groundwork for us um and then you know bill benicky and i just like had such a good time with Robert Rudman, like creating like these versions of the characters and their storylines and the looks and the gimmicks um, about them. Um, and I, I do want to, I do want to mention, you know, in there somewhere, um, Brandon, Brandon Sapitsky, um, he, he came up with the idea for, for using that classic He-Man body and adding some modern articulation to it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's actually what helped nudge us along because an exec saw that and they were like, this has to happen. Right. So the, that helped the stars finally align between the origins line and the masters of the WWE universe line. Um, yeah. And here we are, we're, we're multiple waves in. Oh, there's the, the Ray Mysterio. Keeping in, line, yeah. Keeping in line with my uh, collecting all the, the Ray Mysterios still in the package. So I'm, I'm not aware of the uh, exact articulation, but um yeah, no, this th- these came they just came out so great. They look so good. Um, and it's just one it's just one of those things. It just I, I even like just the the art. The art which really harkens back to that original Masters of the Universe art. Um yeah. was I mean everything is just so well done uh to really make it feel like a true a blending of the two universes. Um uh, even though it wasn't my line, um, I am I am notorious for meddling uh, at Mattel. Um, I'm I'm a collector, right? And I, I definitely pride myself on, on on being, you know, representing all you guys, all collectors on the inside, right? So like I'm I'm on social media and the forums and the Facebook groups like all the time, all the time. Um, so it's like you know I I kind of have my finger on the pulse of, of what I think people want. Um, so I, I meddled like. I meddled about the the creation of the logo and how the packing should packaging should be you know uh, executed the shape of it um, the classic like long style card back um, the cross sell on the back art at the top uh, the 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 ring itself you know the, the I don't know if you yeah the, the, the ring art, is fantastic the artwork on the ring I wanted I wanted us to get the original Castle Grayskull artist to do that. It didn't work out, unfortunately, but, but yeah, I, I really meddled the whole time to make it authentic to, to both vintage classic WWF and, um, and masters of the universe. And, and it happened. They listened, they listened to me. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys did it. Um, well, look, I want to thank you for, for your time. This has been awesome. Um, you know, uh, both the kind of, education on the process there um but also you know hearing your story um as i mentioned i'm just a huge fan of people figuring out what it is that they think they want to do and then figuring out 
how to actually make it happen. Like that's, you know, that's where I was as a 12 year old kid. Who's like, I want to work in pro wrestling and I'm not going to stop until I figure it out. Uh, and, and so I love seeing and hearing people's stories. Um, and, uh, it's, I, I love the fact that you, uh, you know, just knew that you weren't going to be happy in computer science and, and decided to follow that, that passion. Um, and yeah, so everybody listening, if you are at all a fan of not just WWE, uh, action figures, but, um, you know, as, as Steve mentioned, the action figure attack account covers more than, than just WWE. Uh, there's tons of great, uh, news, uh, but also very, very, you know, first news for, for, for WWE stuff. Definitely check out Action Figure Attack on Instagram. Is it also Action Figure Attack on the other social? Uh, to shorten it, I think it's Action Fig Attack on Twitter. Oh, yes. Twitter and their, their, uh, <laughs> their only 15 character but, but can I just say, Can I just say uh, two more things, if I can yeah. remember both, uh, before you, you sign off? Uh, yeah. The one thing is, you know, that account, uh, what I'm doing here, on the forums, etc. Like I want to be as open as possible and I want to pay it forward. Right. Like these guys were, were, were open the, the people I mentioned before and inspired me and helped me get to where I am. And I'm trying to be transparent and do the same thing because I want the people who, who love what we do, who love pro wrestling, love action figures, whatever it is to, to gain something out of, of me doing this now and, and join me in doing it here or elsewhere or doing something similar. Um, so, so really please, please listen, you know, and, and take in these things. And, and if you love it, join us, you know, and come do this because, you know, in entertainment and, and these passionate things that, that we all love, we need more people who really love them doing it with us. And we're just going to make it better and better. So please, Please, if you're inspired and you want to do this, follow your dreams and do this. And the other thing I want to say is, you know, I'm that, I don't know if you've seen that, um, that comic of, it's like two strips of um, a guy like digging, right? Towards like a treasure at the end. And the top one is a guy defeated and he just gave up and you can see the treasure like inches away, but he gave up and he walked away. And the guy on the bottom is the guy who kept digging and is about to hit it. And I was almost the guy at the top. I was defeated and I almost gave up. And then literally as I was about to move back to the East Coast is when things came together for Mattel for me. So don't give up. So if you want to do this, do everything you can to make it happen. Be smart, obviously, uh, but learn everything you can. And please, please join us here and, and help us you know, bring the things we love to the next generation. Well, that's awesome. That is that is great advice. Uh, yeah, I think I, I read something the other day that started going around social media uh, about the, the guy who created the Queen's Gambit, you know, hit on Netflix, and you know how uh, you know it's been seen by sixty-two million people this year, but it took him thirty years <laughs> to get that story made, uh, nine rewrites uh, because nobody, everyone's like, ah, chess, boring, never gonna, never gonna happen, you know. And uh, you know, the moral obviously is, you know, if you are passionate about something keep pushing for it uh you, know, you said be smart about it and uh but but keep pushing for it so again I, I really thank you for your time steve uh this has been great um you the work that's being done at, at mattel 
uh, is is just awesome right now. And like you said, I think we're in a, we are in a renaissance of of wrestling figures, action figures between the lines that are out now, uh, the lines that are coming out over the next year. And it's a it's a fantastic time to be a a wrestling fan and a collector. The fact that most of these figures are on the the same scale relatively also is super cool. Um, and so uh, yeah, I uh, I thank you again and. Uh, We'll have people check you out. We'll put, if you guys want to find Steve, we'll put all his social media links in the comments or in the uh, notes section here of, of the show. And uh, we'll be back uh, next time with uh, more from the business of the business. Thanks so much, Kevin. Lucha-masks.com in partnership with Mass Republic give you personal protective masks to keep you Lucha strong in the fight versus COVID-19. With world-class luchadors Blue Demon Jr., The Lucha Brothers, L.A. Park, Ultimo Dragon, Kane Velasquez, Conan, and so much more. Head to lucha-masks.com and you too can become a masked warrior. Lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution.